Welcome to the UC Berkeley Data Science Education Podcast. We're happy you're listening in today. In this space, you'll hear from a variety of distinguished data science educators and professionals. The individuals we'll speak with are diverse in experience and perspective, but share the common goal of shaping the future of data science education. Our idea is to have some informal conversations with the goal of creating community and let people hear from practitioners in this growing new field. My name is Eric Van Dusen from Data Science Undergraduate Studies in the Division of Computing, Data Science, and Society at UC Berkeley, and I'll be leading our conversation today. And my name is Harry Lee, also from Data Science Undergraduate Studies. I'm working as an intern with the division's external pedagogy team, and I'll be helping out today too. Hi, Suraj. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, welcome. Um, Could you give us a brief introduction of how you got into data science education and what you're currently working on? Sure. Um, So I wish I could say that everything worked out. Like, I wish I could say I had a plan going into this, but a lot of it was pretty random uh, and it just happened to work out the way it did. So where it all started was when I was a freshman undergrad student uh, back in the 2016-2017 academic year. Uh, I was taking our discrete math class for computer science majors at UC Berkeley, where I was an undergrad, and I saw that we had an undergrad TA, and I had been interested in teaching in high school and middle school, uh, but I never really thought that I would make a career out of it. Uh, But then I saw we had an undergrad TA, and I was like, oh, uh, if this person's a TA, then I could also be a TA, right? Why not? So uh, after my first semester of my freshman year, I reach out saying, hey, can I help uh, you know, be a TA for this discrete math course? Uh, but then since I was already submitting the application to be a TA, I also clicked this thing that said, Data 8 Foundations of Data Science. Now I'd never taken this course, I, I didn't know what it was about, but I just saw it and it seemed relevant. So I was like, whatever, let me just apply to it. And then so I ended up getting an offer to be a tutor for that uh, course, which is Data 8 at Berkeley. And I was like, whatever, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. Uh, I hadn't taken it. So as the semester progressed, I had to learn the material. Like that was my first time using Jupyter Notebooks, first time manipulating tables. Uh, So I was learning a lot of it, basically all of it as I went. Uh, But I really enjoyed it, both the material in the course, uh, given that it was, you know, both mathy and uh, computational, both of which I liked. Um, And just the act of teaching that material as well, especially to other people who were new to data science and new to Uh, such a quantitative field. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, That was my second semester of my freshman year. The next semester I became a TA for it, really enjoyed that. Uh, And from there became a TA for Berkeley's uh, main upper division data science course, Data 100. Uh, TA'd that five times, taught it as an instructor once. uh, And then, yeah, here we are. Amazing. You know, you're somebody that I know who's just been through like a job search process looking for jobs as a data science instructor. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that journey that you've been on in the last year? Yeah. So um, even though by my like my junior year, by that point, I had been very involved in the teaching community, both for Berkeley's Data 8 and Data 100. But I didn't know that this was a possible career. Right. I still just assumed that if I wanted to teach, 
uh, at the university level, I would have to pursue a PhD, which I had no interest in doing, uh, or otherwise I'd have to try and get a job as a software engineer or a data scientist. But around uh, the end of my junior year, so just you know, two and a half years ago, um, I found out that it's possible and a lot of institutions are willing to hire teaching faculty without PhDs who have completed a master's and have lots of teaching experience. So at that point I was like, okay, I know that this is possible, it's, this is like the only thing that I want to do. Let, let's just try and do it. Um, so in my senior year, I prepared uh, and applied to Berkeley's fifth year in computer science master's program. Uh, got into that, taught the summer before and all the way during it. Uh, and then last fall, uh, so around November of 2020, about a year ago, I started applying to these jobs. Um, and so the availability of these jobs will surprisingly wasn't an issue, even given COVID. Uh, most departments were still, you know, running searches. Of course, there were some that said, you know, because of COVID, we're not. Uh, the thing that was a little tricky in my position was it wasn't always clear which department I should apply to, right? Um, now, because, you know, my degrees are both in computer science. Most of the teaching I've done is in data science, uh, but the vast majority of schools don't have a separate, you know, uh, institute or department or division or whatever for data science, right? At most places, data science initiatives are, you know, coming out of the CS department or the statistics department. So it just wasn't clear where I was supposed to apply. And as it turned out, the majority of places I applied to, uh, the, or the majority of positions I applied to, were in computer science departments. Um, UCSD, which is where I ended up, uh, and I think NYU might have been the only uh, specifically data science departments that I applied to, I believe. Uh, well, not departments, but you, know, you get the idea. Uh, and so, you know, being part of a computer science department, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, and of course, regardless of what the department is called, everyone cares about data science now. Um, but the fact that there is a dedicated, you know, group of people who are focused on teaching just this content uh, what was really, was really exciting to me. Awesome. Thank you, Suraj. And I've got to say, as someone who is a student at UC Berkeley, a data science student, um, who has taken courses where you've contributed to, um, I'm really glad that you are where you are right now. You are an amazing instructor. Thank you so much, Harry. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. Um, and yeah, so my next question is a bit of a general one, but I think it's important. Um, and it's just, what do you see as the future um, for data science education? How do you think it's going to continue to evolve over time? Yeah, so I, I, I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. And what I sort of crystallized my thoughts into was that, you know, a large group of people who are data science majors or taking data science courses will likely end up having the same outcome as they would have had if a data science major didn't exist. Right? You, you can make the argument that someone who ends up being a data scientist at Facebook or something could still have been one if they were a double computer science and statistics major or something like that. Right? Um, so where I see the value out of having dedicated data science curriculum is one, of course, we can provide content that's far more tailored to what they're interested in. Right? We can provide you know, projects and lesson plans that are specific to the kinds of uh, quantitative skills that they will need rather than being, you know, general from a more traditional computer science or statistics perspective, but also that we can, uh, you know, create content that brings in people who weren't otherwise going to pursue uh, these, you know, 
quant, uh, quantitation, that's not the right term, at least quantitative heavy uh, careers, right? Uh, we, can pr- we can create introductory content with real world applications that can you know, draw from the fields that they're in. Uh, and we can bring in people who otherwise wouldn't have considered going down this path. Uh, and the way I'm currently thinking about it is that you know, a lot of majors require people to take classes in the math department or the you know, English department. But it's not because you know, the people teaching those courses aren't assuming that everyone is going to become a mathematician or an English professor. Uh, they're just providing them with the skills necessary to use you know, uh, reasoning from English or uh, mathematical thinking from math in whatever else it is that they're going to do. And so I'm starting to see data science that way as well, right? Are a lot of students in our courses going to end up being data scientists? Yeah, perhaps. But a lot of them will use the tools that we're giving them to do whatever it is they were already going to do, but just do it with a quantitative lens. Um, and so that ties into the idea of data literacy. Uh, and I think like we're heading towards a focus on that, right? People who are going to do quantitative things already, they'll likely be fine regardless, right? It's about bridging the gap with other disciplines. Great. Thank you so much for that answer and that perspective. Um, to, to add on, uh, I want to ask, how do you think that we, you know, as data scientists and as educators should be creating and evolving a community around data science education? Yeah, so I think a big thing is sharing educational resources. Of course, Berkeley's done a great job of that. Um, and I think, you know, people everywhere need to do more of that because so many places still don't have courses on data science, right? And another important thing to realize is that, you know, different schools in different places or at different levels have, you know, different student bodies, different needs and goals. So I think it's important that places, you know, across the globe share their content uh, so that, you know, people at different institutions that are looking to introduce data science have, you know, a good sense of the different ways that we could introduce data science and teach these ideas. Because the same course is not going to work everywhere for all types of students. So I think we all um, need to be you know, making our educational materials as open as possible. Um, so I think that that's a big thing. Uh, let's see. I think that's the biggest thing other than you know, uh, making sure that we focus on bringing in students from other disciplines um, so that they can get exposure to things that they otherwise wouldn't. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and now delving a bit deeper into your individual experience um, as an instructor and as um, a TA, how important are TAs and graduate student instructors in data science courses? And what differences do you see between that role and the role of an instructor in those courses? Yeah, so I like to think of the job of an instructor as being uh, like the orchestrator or the conductor of a show, right? Because especially in our data science courses, there are so many components, right? If you think about, uh, you know, data eight or data 100, there's lectures, discussions, labs, projects, homeworks, exams, like there's, there's so many moving parts, right? And office hours, piazza, this and that, right? Um, and it's very different than say, uh, like a problem set focused course where it's really just lectures, maybe a discussion of that uh, and a weekly homework. Right? So there are so many moving pieces that um, you kind of need someone to make sure that the narrative is consistent throughout all of these pieces, to make sure everything is being covered when it's supposed to, to make sure students aren't being tested on stuff that hasn't come up in lecture, 
to make sure that the assignments, you know, uh, sufficiently enrich the content that was brought up in lecture. You need someone to, you know, oversee all of these things that are going on. And I see that as the primary role of an instructor in these courses with a lot of moving parts. Those specific jobs like developing a discussion that does XYZ or developing a project that does XYZ or even an exam, I think you need uh, help with those kinds of things. And in my experience, TAs have been great for that because um, TAs know where students struggle on things. They were just students in the same class a year or two ago. Um, and TAs have been really great at creating content and just making excellent pieces of uh, the course. Um, and depending on the institution, TAs might even have you know, the same level of oversight as an instructor in sort of weaving the you know, narrative of the course. Uh, and Berkeley's a, an example of a place where that kind of thing happens. Uh, but yeah, these courses would not be possible without the help of TAs, uh, the initiative of TAs to you know, build additional resources that help students outside of all of the you know, regularly scheduled components, uh, providing help in office hours or Piazza, or we're using Campus Wire, for instance. Uh, you need them. You, you couldn't do a course like this just as an instructor. It's just not possible. Thanks. You know, you are part of somebody who's sort of come up in this new world where data science is a thing. Like, th this is really new. N most profs are coming from somewhere else. Like, you're somebody who came up in this newly created uh, data science educational field. I was wondering if you had any insights about how does that make your perspective unique? Yeah, that's a good question because I hear that it's new, but to me it's not new. It's the only thing I know really, right? Like uh, the whole time that I've been a student at, uh, in you know higher education, this is just what I've been exposed to because uh, it kind of all started relatively early at Berkeley. So it doesn't feel new to me. Um, and now at UCSD, they've been doing the same kind of thing for years now as well. So it still doesn't feel that new. Um, so my perspective, it's hard to give a, an unbiased answer to that. Um, and it's also hard to separate my perspective from the perspectives of other people because all of my peers have also been teaching the same content uh, the same way for years now. Uh, just because, you know, there's such a large community now uh, at least that, you know, a few, select, a few select institutions of people who have, you know, been doing the kinds of things that we've been doing. So it's hard to give an answer. Uh, but one is that because I've had the opportunity to teach courses at different levels, so like Data 6 at the like pre-introductory level, uh, one of the courses I'm teaching at UCSD is uh, our uh, Data 8 analog data 100 in the upper division. I think it's been really nice to be able to say, you're going to learn about this idea in this context, in this course later on, right? Like, for instance, when talking about uh, correlation and regression in my data eight type course, I was able to say, hey, okay, when you take this theory course later on, we're going to revisit this exact same idea. But at that time, we're going to do the math on paper. And literally this week, uh, yesterday, I was like, in lecture, in my theory-heavy course, I was like, remember back in DSC-10 when we talked about correlation? Well, this is why it's relevant now. Um, and so just having the like uh, breadth of seeing how things are placed throughout the curriculum, I think has been helpful. Great. Thank you so much, Suraj. So I also wanted to ask if you could elaborate on your experiences teaching and TAing for Data 100. So the interesting thing with being the instructor for Data 100 is that three and a half of the 
first four semesters that I was teaching the course, it was all in person. Uh, and at that point, I you know, never really thought about the lecture content a whole lot. I mean, in my third semester teaching, by that point, I knew I was going to be one of the summer instructors, so I did a guest lecture. Then I started to think about the narrative pieces. But for the most part, I was mostly focused on, you know, the student experience and office hours, discussion, piazza, those types of things. Um, when I knew that I was going to be one of the instructors, then I started thinking about, okay, if I had the chance to, how would I rearrange the content in the course, uh, along with my co-instructor, Alan, who's great. Um, but that kind of all got thrown in the air when COVID started, right? Uh, and, you know, early March, uh, it was clear that, you know, something might happen. Then mid-March, we all went online. And then in April, they were like, yeah, summer is definitely going to be online too. Uh, and I was kind of bummed out by that because uh, I really like teaching in person. And I've really enjoyed that about uh, this fall quarter here at UCSD. Just being back in a classroom is so, so nice. Uh, and so I was bummed out by that. But, you know, we, as many other people, saw this as an opportunity to rethink how the course should be taught in the virtual setting. And so there, there are different models, uh, but the one that we settled on, and you know, we didn't come up with this ourselves, we consulted with you know, basically everyone who had taught the course uh, up until that point, which is like 10 different instructors. Uh, but the, the model that we settled on was having lectures be pre-recorded as a series of short videos, conceptual questions in between, uh, and then we would focus our, our time on supporting students and holding uh, a few live sessions and whatnot. Uh, and of course, again, we didn't invent this model. We were just you know, advised to use it, and it's what we agreed on. Um, but the, the challenge there was that there wasn't a ton of content at that point that already existed in that format. There was a bunch from the spring semester that the instructors started recording once we went online, and we used uh, a good part of that. Some of the content we cut from old lecture recordings that were in person, and that was sub-ideal because, you know, the audio is not great and things aren't, uh, you know, organized for remote consumption. But we spent a lot of time recording new lecture content. Uh, and, you know, it took a long, long time to make that. Like, for every hour and a half lecture, I probably spent, you know, eight hours recording because, you know, for, for whatever reason, I was very nitpicky about, you know, the exact wording that I would use. Um, but I think it's paid off because, you know, even now, five semesters, four or five semesters later, they're still using some of those videos that we recorded back in uh, summer 2020. So it, it was a big effort, but I, I think it paid off. Uh, and yeah, I, I think, you know, we spent a lot of time that summer rethinking both lectures, but also other parts of the course. And uh, largely those changes have remained uh, through the rest of the COVID uh, semesters for Data 100. Awesome, thanks. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about Data 6 and your work with Data 6 as well? Yeah, uh, I'd be glad to, especially because, you know, we're starting to discuss uh, the same thing now here at UCSD. Um, I actually just had a meeting about that today. Uh, but so Data 6. So first, let's talk about why it exists. Um, and so the motivation that was presented to me, I mean, it wasn't my idea. Um, but the motivation that was presented to me was that, you know, Data 8, it's a challenging class. It covers a lot of material. I think of it as a primarily, you know, a statistics course that just happens to use computation as its means of, you know, doing things rather than, you know, a calculator or not looking at tabular data, I guess. Um, but as a result, because it has so much content, it can be really hard for people with no programming experience. Um, but half the class does actually have programming experience. Uh, 
So for the half that doesn't, you know, it often moves too fast uh, or, you know, students might even be too intimidated to even try the class because they think it's full of, you know, hundreds of people who already know how to program, right? Uh, and, you know, at, at one point those were just, you know, conjectures, but we, ha we now have data saying that, you know, there are actually people who, you know, didn't sign up for data eight for these reasons. So the uh, goal um, was to have a course that introduces students to computational thinking and programming uh, so that when they take data eight, they don't have to spend as much time, uh, you know, learning those ideas and they can spend the rest of their time uh, focusing on the inference and the uh, modeling and the prediction because that, those are the ideas that they're really going to have to come back to in data 100. And people like to gloss over that content saying uh, data eight is really an introductory programming course and... I think that's a little misguided. Like, sure, it uses programming and sure, it introduces programming, but that's not what the course is really about. Um, so I think it's important for students to focus on the inferential ideas in the course. And so the goal is, you know, you get the programming out of the way in this data six course, uh, and then you can spend most of your time on the other ideas once you go uh, to data eight. So uh, data six, again, wasn't my idea. I didn't invent it. Um, and it had been taught twice before. It, it, the idea was even presented to me. Um, but the big thing that I changed was I added programming and computation content that wasn't in Data 8 at all. I wanted it to be so that even if students took this class and didn't take Data 8 afterwards, uh, they'd still be able to do you know, cool things on their own. Uh, and if they did take Data 8 afterwards, they'll have you know, tools in their toolkit uh, from Data 6. It's not that everything was just a complete subset. Uh, so for examples of those kinds of things were, you know, while loops, we use that to talk about, you know, how to trace programs and whatnot. We use dictionaries as like a precursor kind of to uh, tabular structures. We looked at, you know, how to store hierarchical data in like JSON files. Uh, and we even had an assignment at the end of the semester where they built websites on GitHub pages. And so, you know, they had to find a data set of their own, export it. Uh, and then, you know, I recorded a tutorial that showed them how to put an interactive, you know, scatter plot or whatever on a GitHub pages website. Um, and so that way we ensured that whether or not they take data eight afterwards, they'll have things, they'll have the tools to, um, you know, analyze data of their own choosing. Um, and that kind of goes to the higher level goals of the course. One of course was to um, build familiarity and confidence with, you know, programming so that when they take data eight, they're more comfortable with the material and not as intimidated by it, but also just to convince them to that data science is a cool thing to care about in the first place. And doing these like open-ended, uh, you know, self-exploration projects at the end, I think helped with that. Um, let's see. Another uh, aspect that factored into the design of you know, the offering of data six that we ran in the spring was that I wanted to minimize the overlap of examples and lecture material with data eight, because if they went and take, took data eight again, I didn't want it to be all like the exact same thing. So we use different examples, explain things in a different order, explain things in a different way so that when they see it again, it'll be like a different perspective, not just the same thing over and over. Do you have any plans for developing new courses in the next couple of years? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, at UCSD, we're now starting to think about the same thing, like people coming into our DSC 10 course, uh, a lot of them 
have prior programming experience, and for them, the programming part is a little too slow. A lot of them, actually a smaller group, but some of them have no prior programming experience, and for them, we go over programming too quickly. So we're trying to see, like, okay, what is the best way to approach this problem? Uh, And, you know, we're still brainstorming approaches. You know, one might be to, you know, have something similar to Data6. Another thing that's been proposed is through... Uh, a summer program, which uh, has how Ber- uh, how Data6 was originally taught uh, at Berkeley, through a summer program before students' first quarter at UCSD, they take like a an, an on-ramp in Python to make sure that they have programming experience going in to kind of level the playing field for everyone once they go and take uh, DSC 10. So it's kind of similar, um, but it probably wouldn't be as in-depth as Data6. Uh, and we're also considering self-paced versions of similar material. Other courses, um, we you know are deciding different ways to improve the flow of the lower division curriculum here at UCSD. So you know there are talks of could we you know introduce a lower division probability course or a lower division linear algebra course that is specifically for data science majors. So that's uh, for discussion. I'm likely teaching a seminar next quarter um, and the idea I've had for it is a like history of data science type seminar where we look at you know old statistical results uh, you know how computing became a field to kind of emphasize the fact that like while data science the term and the field is new the stuff that we're doing is not actually that new Uh, and like you know so much of our field relies on like literally linear regression Uh, and least squares, but that's not new at all. Uh, Calling it machine learning and doing it in a Jupyter Notebook is new, but uh, the foundations aren't that new. So I I think that seminar would be cool, Uh, and it would also be a way to force me to learn that history, right, because I'm not a historian. Um, So teaching that would force me to, you know, look for these kinds of things on my own, and I'm I'm looking forward to that if it does end up happening. That's a fun project. All right, I think we're wrapping up. Um, Do you have any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for other people who are engaging in data science education? Yeah, um, well, this is not uh, data science specific, but, you know, in data science courses, we spend so much time setting up things like infrastructure, auto graders, data hub this, that. um, And, you know, that's all important. And it lowers the friction, like, uh, you know, reduces the number of things students have to worry about, right? I think the biggest thing is in the intro classes, we don't want students like having to install Anaconda or whatever themselves. Uh, but I think it's important to step back from all of that and still spend as much time as you can building personal connections with students. Because uh, I think that can motivate students to stick with the field. Uh, and, you know, a lot of these classes get really large and it's easy for students to feel like a number. I think it's important to break out of that and, you know, make your presence as an, as a person known to the students. I, I think that's huge. Uh, another big thing is, you know, a lot of content already exists out there. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time, right? Uh, you can find material that already exists and adapt that to your purposes. Uh, but also you, you should try and find as many other people as possible teaching similar things to you and reach out to them, right? I think the data science community is especially, you know, collaborative in that sense. Uh, and just about everyone I know would be, you know, more than willing to talk about their courses and, you know, what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, you know, myself included. Uh, so, you know, reach out to other people uh, for guidance because, uh, you know, 
we don't all have the answers ourselves. Thank you, Suraj. That's great. Um, That's the spirit of community that we're trying to create here, for sure. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you're interested in learning more about data science education resources, please subscribe to our Substack to get notified when we release any future podcasts. And join our community Slack channel through the link provided in this episode's description. Thank you.